Hello and welcome to the Leaner Stronger podcast. In today's episode, I was actually a guest into Angie's Get Shred program, which she's kindly allowed me to use on the podcast here because the questions that we had were great and we both felt that you guys listening could hugely benefit from the answers we've given because so many of the questions are highly relatable to anyone looking to improve their health, improve their fitness or lose weight. We cover topics from maintaining muscle whilst in a calorie deficit through to whether you should stop eating at a certain time of night and how you can handle your routine when life changes, such as having a week off of work and you lose your normal routine. You can find Angie on Instagram at getpeachy or via her website, which is get-peachy.com. And if you have any questions you'd like us to cover in the future, because we're going to be on many more podcasts together in the future, then feel free to email me at jake at alinastronger.co.uk or you can contact me via my own Instagram, which is at alinastrongerjake. And let's get into it. Cool. Right. So we've got quite a few questions to go through today. Um, I haven't really put them in order. Some of them I've kind of grouped together, which are quite similar, but I just thought let's get cracking. So... Mm. Um, first question is, can you maintain muscle and or build muscle in a deficit? I'm thinking about the next phase, looking forward to building um, some muscle or is it best to up my calories slightly? Um, do you want to start with this one? Can do. So many layers to it. So many answers as well. So it's going to be one of the, this is one of those ones where we can go yes, but no, but yes at yeah. the same time. Um, the, the biggest factor in can you build muscle whilst in a deficit? Well, I say one of the two biggest factors I can think of is what's your stage of training? Are you a beginner to training or not? If yes, your likelihood of building muscle whilst in a deficit will be higher. If no, it doesn't mean no, but that will be determined slightly more by how big your deficit is, if that makes sense. So, you know, if we think we're trying to trying to build a house, you need a lot of bricks to do that. But if you take away the number of bricks, you're going to have a smaller house. So if you have a smaller deficit, then you have a, an increased chance, I suppose, of building some muscle whilst in the deficit. Yeah. But the other thing is we're in a deficit for a reason and it's not to build muscle. So I wouldn't, this is going to sound two point blank, but because I can't think of a better word, but I wouldn't care so much if you don't, if you don't build muscle, the act of training and consuming protein will maintain what you have, um, which is the main aim whilst in a deficit, realistically. Um, so then to the second part of the question, I would say, yes, have slightly more calories to build the muscle, <laughs> but you know, you, you, you have a better environment for the body to do that if you do have the surplus, so to say, which is the opposite to the deficit, right? Where you're having slightly more than your body needs to maintain where you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree on all those things. I think reading um, what this uh, lady has said, I'm thinking about the next phase, looking forward to mm. build muscle. Kind of, I think um, she's maybe established that she's got to the point where she doesn't need to be in a deficit anymore from what I'm reading and you know mm. and I think we all get very much trapped in that mindset of we need to be in a deficit all the time especially mm. women you know very very scared of increasing calories eating more you know 
getting bigger, that kind of thing. And ultimately, if you want to build muscle, you do have to feed your body. Yes, you can build muscle in a calorie deficit, but like you say, it's for newbie gains. Like if you're five, six years down the line of training, like though you won't get newbie gains. So unfortunately, yeah. you know, no, you won't build that much muscle in a deficit. Can you maintain it quite well? Yeah, with adequate uh, uh, amounts of protein, you maintain a decent amount of um, yeah. muscle. And you, you only see, um, what's the technical term for muscle wastage? Uh, like, oh, there's a technical Oh, geez, term. you've done me here. You should know this. Um, I should know this, yeah. Mind blowing. Okay you only see muscle wastage really when, that's it when okay. we get to um, i knew it was a something when mm. we get to like stage weight you know bikini weight you you see atrophy then because yeah they're on like 1200 yeah. calories and but think but think that's a cool point because it's like you have to think how far down the line people have to get for that like bearing in mind these people are actually on decent protein well, a lot of protein and they can still experience it they're at the absolute extreme end of this so there is so much scope for maintenance like we could almost deem it as relatively easy to maintain actually just training and even a, a, a modest amount of protein will be enough yeah absolutely. really um i don't know whether we would should mention when it comes to the building muscle bit and having more calories mm. It obviously depends how much this person knows about that, but it's really cool that they're looking into that stage. And I think it's it's nice to have that mental transition there because, like you say, not wanting to be in the deficit. Um, because, I mean, the goal of life is to build and maintain, not continuously lose, because that, that sucks for exactly. a long period of time. But yeah. also the, the surplus needed to build muscle is probably not as big as the internet would have you believe. I mean, uh, that yeah yeah because basically like you know where the internet tells you to go into a 500 calorie deficit straight away the internet will also tell you to go to a 500 calorie surplus straight away yeah. and actually if you want to minimize the fat gain whilst building the muscle you're probably actually looking around the somewhere between 200 and 500 calorie surplus um, and you'd just be better off starting on the lower end and seeing how your body responds as you continue to increase and train um it's not this crazy bulk life that most people do get fat then have to cut and then have to bulk and then have to cut and then you just cycle actually between nothingness uh, and probably don't even make that much progress because you're so busy bulking so high by being overly fat so to say for what the better terms you can almost decrease your body's ability to to build muscle when you get too far into the fat side of things which is individual per person so it's hard to tell you how how much body fat percentage is too much but yeah. you can you can sway too much you know this dirty bulk and a thousand calorie excess a day can be too much and yeah. negative towards results in that sense as well so yeah. i would just say as you transition think about slowly transitioning rather than jumping a thousand calories 500 500 to a thousand calories above yeah, yeah absolutely and i think just coming to like to round up the end of this question like she's put is it best to up my calories slightly i would just say bring them to maintenance start mm. maintenance see how you feel yeah. uh, a lot can be said and done in maintenance you know mm. you 
you can grow muscle at maintenance. You can still look pretty decent at maintenance, you yeah. know. So bring yourself back up to maintenance, see how you feel. You know, if you feel like actually I could push my calories up a little bit more, you know, I'm still maintaining my physique or, you know, I'm happy with the slight levels of body fat or mm. the slight difference in, in my clothes and mm. um, just slightly increase. But like you said, I think go... Go slowly. I think the only time that we would ramp somebody's calories straight back up is if they had been in a very de big deficit for a long time and were showing um, perhaps emotional signs that they desperately needed more food, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have that, slow and steady is probably yeah. going to be a great way for you. Um, but yeah. yeah, cool. Should we move on? Yeah, do it. Cool. Um, uh, I keep going to read any questions for the live Q&A, but I don't mean to say that. Um, <laughs> next question. I don't seem to be able to consume my calorie target per day. Is this normal? This probably sounds like a really stupid question. I weigh my food where appropriate. I try not, and I try not to eat for the hell of it. The next question is very similar. Should I eat the calories I'm allowed to eat, i.e. 2,100, when I don't need them and I'm not hungry for them? And will I shred more or am I putting myself at a disadvantage because my body needs the fuel so similar questions um to quickly answer no you don't need to eat all your calories um i'd probably say that you would be at it at an advantage if you don't eat them all because one day you might have a very very hungry day or a day that you accidentally slip up on calories and you overeat you know by accident or you're just mega hungry and actually because you've naturally banked calories you you know you won't undo the damage you won't create any damage so i think eating under your calories is absolutely fine and you've also got to remember that calorie tracking isn't always accurate so even though you might only track at 1200 you might actually be tracking you might be eating 1300 1300 or you know more than that so i think remember that what you're tracking isn't always accurate as well um do is she putting herself at a disadvantage because her body needs the fuel i think mm, i think you'll know pretty quickly if you are because you will feel rubbish exactly i was about to say i think your body would tell you you know yeah. if you're feeling knackered yeah. all the time your neat activity has come down you've not got energy to push yourself through your workouts then yeah you, mm. you know you're only eating 800 calories for example yeah you might be worth eating a few more but if you're feeling good yeah fine yeah and that zone of feeling all right whilst being under your calories like 2100 is that a, is that a get shred calories or is that a maintenance calories that's that's her that's a shred Nice. active person i'm presuming so like <sighs> there's a guy called martin mcdonald i don't know if these people if your guys will know him but he has spoken about this whereas like you can have your calorie deficit i suppose but you can also be aggressive more aggressive which is i.e., giving yourself a bigger deficit on select days if necessary but individually we may have a very low number of calories where we feel okay and either side lower or higher but in between what your target is might not feel fabulous so there'll be a little bit of trial and error with this inadvertently but say for example this lady's on 1500 and feels absolutely fine then you're fine you carry you crack on as you are like, like you've said angie you can always bank those calories for a, for a rainy day 
where you may not be able to track or you're out and about and you know social life is opening up again so there's going to be there's going to be drink there's going to be food that we may not be able to track as well um but yeah just know if you start feeling pretty crappy then you that number of that day probably isn't for you so try either side of that so you know how low you should go to feel all right um and how you know either side of it basically mm. i think in answer to the question where she said will i shred more if i don't eat all the calories or am i putting myself at a disadvantage because the body needs the fuel mm. this uh question kind of what's the word for it a lot of people think about their metabolism when this you know and you mm. know is my metabolism going to slow down if I'm not eating enough, etc.? Mm. And I think a lot of the time, like we overthink stuff like this. Like mm. you said before, if you are feeling okay on 1200 calories, just crack on. Like there's no way of you determining, oh, I've got a slow metabolism. Like yeah. that, you know, if you're losing weight, you don't have a slow metabolism. Um, if your weight loss has slowed down, it doesn't mean you've got a slow metabolism. No. Sometimes that just means you just need to go for longer and be more consistent. So, um, yeah, I think we've pretty much answered that. But yeah, anything yeah. else? Yeah, uh, I suppose it's then don't try and, with us saying it won't matter too much if you don't eat up to your calories, don't take that and run with it and just go, right, I'll just drop and buy a thousand then. I'll just go as low as possible. Um, because I suppose by going as low as possible, you'll probably speed up the feeling of rubbishness. Like yeah. you'll hit that, you'll hit that point sooner and you will put yourself at a larger potential risk of losing muscle mass more so than if you were to eat up your calories. But the yeah. odd day here and there will be fine. It's just, it's just like a, you're making that decision as to you go faster, more aggressive, you risk the muscle mass loss more so than if you go at your number that you've been given that is working anyway mm. so you know, you know like we say like the idea of life isn't isn't restriction ideally <laughs> so you may as well try and eat up as high as possible but you know if you have those days where you just can't you can't stomach it can't be bothered don't want to fine doesn't really matter yeah absolutely and i think um you said something there where you said about going for a few days going for a few days and then you know hitting a wall where you do feel mm. all rubbish and that for quite a lot of people is oh i'm gonna eat under eat under eat under and then get into that day where you're like oh my god i want to eat everything mm. inside. you know and that's kind of what we want to stay away from and and yeah. in essence, that is crash dieting you know that yeah. is your know, dieting going really really restrictive and then all of a sudden you can't cope anymore and you just need to eat everything and we kind of want to veer away from that so if that kind of pattern is happening i would say maybe don't eat two calories but eat two yeah. yeah yeah um so that you do at the end of each meal that you're feeling full it's not you know i'm uh, or i'll just save i'll save myself for tomorrow you know eat to fullness if you've got the calories there then utilize them so that's kind of what i would i would suggest um okay next question does a person's metabolism change after they've been in a calorie deficit when i up my calories after a shred i always find myself hungrier than when i'm on a lower shred cows 
when on, on lower sugar cows. Is there any reason for this? So just so that if anyone doesn't know, um, listening to Jake's podcast, the shred is a six week fat loss, uh, like calorie deficit. So that's what they mean. But um, do you want to roll with this or do, shall I start with it? You start with it. Okay. So I think from knowing this person, I, and she's done a couple of shreds with me before, when she when you come off a calorie deficit it's really 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 important that you if you want to maintain your results after you need to actually focus on consistently tracking so if you're going to bring up your calories to maintenance after you you finished a shred continue to track and continue to keep your eye on the scales eye on what you're eating and consuming because what can happen is and this relates to being hungry is when you come out of a shred you know six week deficit you can kind of get to the point where you're like oh i just really want to have crumpets and nutella on toast for breakfast and then i really really fancy having a packet of crisps and a sandwich for lunch and then i fancy having i don't know something that i can have and it all fits within my calories great and after repeated days of doing this what you are doing is you're eating higher calorie dense foods what happens when you're on a shred and in a deficit is you're eating lots of high volume low calorie foods so we switched from high volume to low volume going into the maintenance period and eating the things that you fancy so what can happen is whilst we're eating really lovely tasty things and really enjoying ourselves again the volume of our food can come down which then after a few days can result in us feeling hungrier so if you've eaten you know we do it on the weekend sometimes we'll go out we'll have brunch we might have a slice of cake in the afternoon and you know you might not have gone over your calories that much but when it comes around to monday you're like god i'm really hungry but i've really enjoyed myself this weekend what's going on so i think one thing you do have to prioritize after your deficit is continue to track and continue to slowly almost like build in the foods that you really enjoy but still utilize the habits and tools that you've used in your shred and carry those over so for example going back to like the crumpets and nutella you could have crumpets and nutella but you could have that with a protein yogurt going back to the cheese sandwich and packet crisp have that with a side salad you know and therefore you're adding in the bulk of the volume low volume sorry high volume food low calorie food and thus hopefully not resulting in feeling really hungry so i think from what this person's saying from knowing this person i think it's a case of finishing the shred having a week of like tracking and then thinking well i won't track now and then kind of going back to semi-old habits kind of not repeating the low uh, low calorie foods etc and then getting to the point of being like oh well now i'm really hungry so it must mean when i'm out of the deficit i'm really ravenous again so i would guess that is kind of like the more psychological perspective that i'm i've got over this um obviously there is some science behind it um but what do you think <laughs> no i like it and i think Having toyed with the deficit, like essentially I've been in a deficit for essentially as long as you're running this as well. And it's a case of 
making the lifestyle changes with food in general so that the main manipulation that's being made whether you're in a deficit maintenance or gaining is actually how much of the same foods you're having it's a quantity thing maybe this is my way of looking at it and this is only one way but i think this is a useful way of doing it so like your breakfast can be the same whether you're in a deficit or in a maintenance it's just how much of it you have so that the habits are still there like you say the side salad the lunch the salad can still stay there but like you say add that one thing and i think that's a really nice way of looking at it rather than having two completely different diets where you just go high volume for deficit and then you go like you say if, if you go back to the old habits that us as humans tend to have it's high calorie dense foods that you know uh, like both for this up so i think that's a nice way of doing it in terms of metabolism stuff metabolism doesn't really drop that much as you lose weight not as much as again the internet would have you believe uh and it, it is it's just a case of well, well why am i so hungry and it's literally because your food choices change so much yeah you're not filling yourself up to the same level as you would in a deficit um I, I yeah from experience with myself and clients that tends to be the main factor um yeah yeah and i think very much you know it's very easy to jump to these conclusions where it's like oh i'm out of the deficit now i'm uh, you know i can have more calories or i'm really hungry it must be my metabolism and actually when you look deeper at things and you go well what are the you know what are the changes that i've made since coming out of my deficit i'm no longer eating these really filling meals that i was really focusing on i'm now eating you know basically whatever i fancy and then blaming it on your metabolism it's kind of like well let's take things back to basics like look at what you're eating through the six week shred how can you implement that into your lifestyle now but allow yourself the more you know enjoyable things that you might want to include or just have more so instead of having more salad have more pasta you know and that kind of thing um i do think i mean depending on how long you've been in a calorie deficit for, yes, you can find when you come out of a deficit and then go to maintenance that you get these kind of surges of hunger because you've mm -hmm. gone from eating really little to now you're now eating more. And kind of sometimes the, what actually happens is you eat more, you move more, you expend more energy, and then your appetite increases. So because you've gone from eating little and probably fighting your energy levels quite a bit you know the fact that you've still got to go out for a walk but you're feeling pretty tired and then eating more and then being like wow i've got all this you know i've got so much more energy i'm sleeping better you know i'm feeling more satisfied by my food and you are you do expend more energy when you're in a maintenance you know versus or slightly in surplus versus being in a deficit so yeah you could feel hungrier but does it relate to a metabolism like a change in metabolism we we can't say you know there's yeah. there's no real real way of determining that per person you know if we were yeah. to study like 300 people perhaps but individually we can't say that you know do you agree yeah yeah agree agree um and also just a side note on that, I think after a six week deficit, what is quite nice to do if you've been really consistent is to give yourself a day where you just kind of refeed and you just allow yourself to go, do you know what, today I'm going to track or I'm not going to track and I'm going to have the things that I, you know, have really been craving. Enjoy that day 
and then the next day bring those habits back and then kind of you know keep those habits staple and yeah. then add in the extras that you want to enjoy i'm sure that's probably what you're gonna do yeah so yeah because my dieting has been i think this is week seven now so now i'm starting to think about adding refeeds as i go down like deliberate days um the way i will do it is not so basically you can have quite a lot on that day but like it's the choice of what foods i'll be having so i'll be looking to have genuinely about i'm going to start at six grams of carbs per kilo which is going to leave me with flipping 400 plus grams in one day which can be insane but i'm not going to be there might be some chocolate and stuff in there but it won't be it'll be just again good well i don't want to say good choices but like whole food choices yeah. your pastas your, your your rices so i'm actually still full um and enjoying it and just seeing how my body responds you know i try i have i have tried it with the chocolate and ice cream method and just basically i felt rubbish the next day as opposed to like my weight still stayed very stable um but i didn't feel very good the next day so i'm gonna try the for the, the the whole food method and then i would like to say i'll continue with my food builds my, my plate build up as i then maintain where i get to hopefully so you're doing like a refeed from a macro perspective versus like a flexible perspective yes i will be yeah yeah um and then once i get down to my weight i'd like to be i will then maintain and like you say have one day a week where i'm a bit more flexible but then just stick to my good habits thereafter because i found that's the biggest thing and actually being so solid with my habits in six days of the week and having the day off so to say uh, and i'm a very relaxed eater at the best of times so you know I'm, you know i'm not a restrictive person i don't have things i that are nose um yeah i just found that's how my body does very well so you know yeah. i don't have to think about one day of food if i don't want to and i know that and i know i can get away with it so i know six days a week is all i need at the moment cool um next question on uh will eating a main meal uh, you're gonna love this question will eating a main meal late at night 7 to 8 p.m negatively affect my ab ability to lose weight and the reason why i know you love i'll you'll love this because i know you wrote a blog was it or I've not? Done a, i think i've done one or two blogs and i may even have done a podcast on this now i can't remember okay. i speak about this a lot so often i studied my master's thesis in this type of stuff okay so i'm gonna let you take <laughs> one answer and will it ne negatively affect your your ability to lose weight eating late late at night i think no that is my opinion and from my my own practice of eating pretty late at night i've never had any issues but i'll let you take the floor i i know no is the answer essentially like providing you are staying within the rule the the, the principles of calorie deficit calorie deficit are you in your calorie deficit yes or no fine then realistically you shouldn't give two hoots what time you're eating but there are some caveats to this which are which are quite cool and uh 
you know, are, I suppose, being studied at the moment. They're, they're of interest in the scientific world. So it's like there are some potentials out there that we can't be particularly certain on. But there are lines of thoughts that maybe if you have your meals slightly earlier in the day and across the day, you could potentially have more calories and get away with it, so to say. Uh, but realistically, we can categorically say if you ha if just because it's between 7 and 8 p.m., you're not going to gain any body fat because of that. Um, I mean, Angie, when you coached in person, I coached in person. Uh, for the best part, my dinners haven't been before 8 p.m. for the last seven years. Uh, so, and even to be fair, even I can go back probably 15 years because I would train in the afternoon and then evenings and then have dinner after that. So actually, yeah, in, in a very simple nutshell, no, it doesn't matter. That's probably the, before I go down too many rabbit holes. That's probably <laughs> actually the, the, the best simplest you, answer. But yeah, the simplest answer is no, it won't affect your ability to lose weight whatsoever. Um, um, was there a second part to that question or not? No, it just says, well, eating a main meal late at night, 7 to 8 p.m., negatively yeah. affect my ability to lose weight. Um, I've remembered no. the call. Yeah, sorry. I've yeah, no. The caveats are you may want to make your meal slightly more protein biased at night time because the body, more recently in some of the stuff I've read from 2020, it's like your body is probably better at metabolizing, so basically utilizing protein at night time than it is fat and carbohydrate, which doesn't mean that fat and carbohydrate in your meal are bad, but if you're going to have more of something, have more protein. Okay. That's a cool caveat. That's still being studied. So the couple of research studies I've read have said that and agreed. Um, is that is pretty cool. of how protein is uh, from what the, From the study I was reading, it, it was just that, carbohydrates were probably broken down and utilized by the body more efficiently earlier in the day mm -hmm. uh fat i don't think it went into that much so i can't comment too heavily on that but you probably get basically equated to almost one to 200 calories better in the in the morning you could get away with having maybe one to 200 calories more in the morning uh, than you would if you had the same meals later in the day mm. that particular study so yeah, it's really cool. But like I say, I can't comment too heavily on it. But like I say, prote protein will also just digest slightly slower through the nighttime and it will aid your recovery and the muscle building process. Because when you sleep, that's when you're looking to recover and repair. So again, giving your your body the bricks it needs to build. Yeah. And the one thing, I, I, I said this on, I, I don't know what group I was in, some education group and i said this in a group about the um eating late at night and you know i come from i'm half greek so mediterranean is in my blood and we eat you know when i'm over at my dad's we will eat dinner at like 10 11 o'clock and that's not just like on a weekend that's yeah, most, most days it's really peak summer they don't eat that yeah. early because it's just too hot for them or you know a lot of them um have jobs in tourism so they like us you know as, as personal trainers work very late at night and eat, eat in the evening so mm. i mean obviously those that's just coming from a just a habitual perspective not mm. you know are they looking yeah. to 
great, but it's mm. just one of those things as you know, they eat yeah. naturally really late at night. So mm. um, yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. Next one. Recommendations for alcoholic drinks. Jake, are you much of a drinker? Uh, I'm pants at this. Uh, yeah. Amazing. You might have to Google it. <laughs> like, I'm such a such a uni drinker. Like I'm spirit and mixer. Uh, like yeah. red, you know, wines are wines are relatively high in calories in comparison to spirits. Uh, you're probably looking at that purely probably because of the sugar aspect from you know what it's made of, fruit, mm. right? Grapes. Low, you can you know. A spirit is going to be like one shot of spirit is between roughly 40 and as high as 90 calories, I think, from what I've done, because I've made a couple of infographics on this. Yeah. Uh, a glass of wine is about 120 to 150. Yeah. You know, and also how big is a glass of wine? If you're a fishbowl drinker, then <laughs> it's going to be a bit bigger. But... She's added some more to the uh, the question. Okay. So recommendations for alcoholic drinks. I do like the fact that she hasn't actually put low calorie here. She's just put <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> you can recommend anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the pubs are reopening and being and being in London and work permitting. My social life is going to take off again. I hope anyway. Ha <laughs> ha. So any suggestions on how to balance social situations and alcohol with? the program so the shred which i think is quite a really topical question right now because you know i've just come back from i've been to like a dining experience today where people are drinking outside a lot of my clients have said they've struggled you know with going back to the pub and stuff this week so i think um let's just go into that question with Number one, don't ask personal trainers recommendations for alcoholic drinks because most of us don't drink anyway. Um, so the best place to go for that is Google. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, yeah, just stick, like like Jake said, just stick to your, um, what did you say? The mixers. Experience mixers, yeah. I'm a big cocktail drinker. If I do drink, I'm a cocktail person. So like the porn yeah. star martini. Yeah, porn star martinis are probably up there my favourite drinks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just imagining me with my porn star martinis is a terrible image, isn't it? But it's, uh, yeah. I think the bigger point of it all, realistically, because you've, you know, obviously I'm London-based, so I know what it's like when you're out there. And it's and it's always like going out anyway. London's no different to being out and about with your mates. Mm. The the if you're in a session, you're in a session. You've just got you, you know if you're going to go, you're going to do it. And there's not a lot we can say about that. You know, I've trained many people younger than me and my own age, and I you know, and I'm out there half the time with my lads. And it's like if you're on it, you're on it. You, you, you're going to do it now. If you really want to be really conscious, that's also fine. Don't feel don't feel bad about doing that. Then choose your low calorie, your lower calorie spirits and low calorie mixes. You know, so diet lemonades, diet cokes, uh, slimline GNT type thing. It's the next day that is probably more crucial to it all if you're going to go on a sesh. And also trying to, you know, if you can not have that kebab, that pizza on the way home, that will also be very useful in something like Get Shred. But like the next day is go back to normal. Even if you feel shit, 
because if you're going to be a hungover type, then you've just got to be drinking lots of water, eating very nice, nutritious food, maybe lay off a couple of hundred calories if you've gone full on, mm. you know, pre- presuming you haven't spewed up overnight as well. You <laughs> <laughs> um, said, you know, don't get pizza or kebab on the way home. And for most people, they're probably like, I, I can't even remember, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like lettuce and chips and mayo, like on the face. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it's, yeah. I think it's one of those things when you, you know, I've had a couple of messages actually this week from one to one client saying, I'm so proud of myself. We went to the pub and I drove, you know, and I had yeah. one drink. So it's setting the intention, really, you know. Yeah. If invited out to the pub you have to kind of weigh up the um the cost of exactly you know if i go out and have five beers the cost of that is i'm gonna go over my calories i'm probably gonna feel rubbish the next day and when i feel rubbish and hungover i'm more likely to have mcdonald's so what's the cost of having like one pint versus five okay the five pints gonna you know delay everything make me feel a little bit rubbish about myself so i'll just so I think and that's my main motivation for not drinking genuinely is like I don't like how I feel the next day yeah. and I don't I don't get particularly hungover either I just don't like the sluggishness yeah. so I will happily drive knowing that two shandies so one pint and a pint of lemonade will leave me satisfied with that taste because mm. it's rare I get the taste for alcohol but when I do a couple of shandies will be fine I've still had the social aspect I've still had fun because I can have fun on a night out without necessarily being boozed. So I'm okay with that. My lads aren't okay with that, but they, you know, they're not me, so it doesn't matter. Um, They're not living my life. They can get hammered and I'll take care of them if I have to. (laughs) So it's just that. It's just that. If you're okay with that, then do that. That's fine. Um, You don't even have to drive if you're in London commuting, but still choose that, you know. Um, But yeah, the next day is probably more crucial anyway. Get back to normal. Absolutely. Um, the second half of question, so suggestions on how to balance social situations and alcohol with the programme. I think we've kind of covered that. Um, I think... How, sorry. On, no, you go I was going to say, do you know how often this person goes out? Only because if, if she's someone like my friends in London, if she works in London, it's a three, four times a week type thing that they have that situation. Whereas like I'm a bit out, so it would only be Friday, Saturday. They live in London and work in London, so yeah. it would be very much walking home past all yeah. that kind of thing, yeah. So I would have, even if you, she sat down for like half hour and worked this out to, to know, I would work out your low-calorie drinks that you know you don't mind. I'm sorry, and, I just had to jump in. I thought you were going to say, because you held your hands up, work out your way home and basically just dodge all the pubs. I just had to <laughs> Yeah, you can do that. Walk a different way home. Just, yeah. just put a blindfold on and get <laughs> someone to take you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but work out. Yeah, just work out. Right, how many drinks you can have, and if, say, for example you're on let's go back to 2100 calories the other person had if we're in similar lines tell yourself okay right i've got 300 calories of drinks i can have if i know there's a social calorie so you know that's going to be either five slimline gnts 
which is which is decent on a weekday. I don't yeah. think. I think that's a good weekday drinking session. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, so just I, something along those lines. Prepare. Yeah, <laughs> but preparation is key, right? And and also, just plan a sober one. Just go to one of those social things and be sober and realize how okay you are at surviving that situation. Because I'd almost hedge my bets. You'll have just as good a time. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Practicing going sober to things is a really, really mm. good thing because I think it actually builds your confidence. You realise, oh, I don't need to be wasted at all these events just to have a good time or I don't need to be wasted for people to like me. You know, I think a lot, of, I've coached a lot of women where they've been the drinker, you know, or the loud one. Yeah. And they're like, I can't go out and socialise with this group of friends because when I do, they expect me to be the loud one, getting absolutely, you know, smashed, that kind of thing. Yeah. And actually they've gone to it and gone, I'm not drinking. And they've had a good time or they've realised, I don't like this group of people anymore. You know, <laughs> these aren't the type of people that I want to hang out with. <laughs> Sorry, did you just spit out your drink? <laughs> That's very close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Oh dear. Sorry. If anybody, well, yeah. we should do a YouTube of this one next time. Okay, <laughs> so we can see. Um, right, next question, which is quite similar to the one that we've done, but we will answer anyway. I'm off work next week. How do I keep everything steady and normal, even though my routine will be really different? Do you want to roll? Uh, my first question would be why would it be so different is it because you're doing different things or is it because you've just got time off in between when you would be working if the latter find something to do stick with relatively normal meal times and plan whatever you're gonna do in those times so instead of work you're doing your activity if it can work like that um, and just yeah, just like what we've kind of said, don't change your eating habits just because you've got a week off. Like the eating habits are normal. That's your normal right now mm -hmm. to work from. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you've got a social occasion, you know, pre-look at the menu, have an idea of what you're going to eat so then you can work around it that way. But the habits stay the same, roughly. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, considering that we've just had two weeks of like Easter, there's been a couple of yeah. late. Mm. yeah that haven't had any routine for the past two weeks and for them actually just having routine has been really yeah. good right? <laughs> yeah. just, i would just say like okay you've got this week off work look at the social events that you've got in maybe you've got a brunch or something or maybe you've got i don't know a pub drinking session or whatever on a thursday mm. like put those plan it out on a piece of paper right i've got this then this then this then I'm going to make sure I eat my staple breakfast for the next four days. I'm going to make sure I eat something at lunch on these days. I might fast for a little bit on that day when I have brunch, whatever. Plan it out. That's the best thing you can do. If you just go into next week not planning anything, you are going to get to the point where you've got to the end of the day and you've barely eaten anything or you've been picking and grazing at things and then you've gone over your calories. So I would just say have a plan. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, you're in a calorie deficit your goal is to either lose weight or stick to the deficit or whatever and just because you've got a week off work like don't just go well won't matter i'll i'll deal you know i'll yeah. deal you won't like we all we all have really um what's the word but like a positive mindset in place when we get to monday like yeah yeah i'll smash it and then you'll get to wednesday and you'll be like oh 
I've gone over my calories for the past two days. Like just have a plan in place, stick to basic, the basics, like you said. And yeah, yeah just don't overcomplicate it, I think. Yeah. Um, and also make sure you do your workouts as well. Some people, so I find obviously because I'm really sad and I love exercise. <laughs> I'm sure you do too. Like when I have a week off, I'm like, yes, I can go to the gym whenever I want. But I realise that I'm insane and not many people think like me. So uh, lots of other people think I have a week off and I can kind of like have a lie-in. That mm. doesn't like I don't I don't think like that just because I'm a weirdo and I love being up at like 6 a.m. So I end up like really focusing on like this is what time I'm going to do my session it's because it's rewarding to me whereas other people don't think like me and I always have to have this chat with clients when they have like weeks off and stuff and I'm like you have to commit to these days that you do your workouts because they're not going to get done because if you're saying that you're going to do it at 10 a.m and you can't be bothered and then it gets to two o'clock and you're like I'll go, I'll go at three you're not going to go at three you should have gone at 10 a.m you know so I think make a plan for your workouts as well do you love exercise or are you not so sure i know i do i'm rebuild regaining my love for it there i was through phases first lockdown was really tough for me because i i picked up niggles yeah and that that shoots yeah. me for that shoots me for my love of it because i'm like for god's sake not again um but i do very much enjoy it actually i do i do i do I say, for example, on a week off, if I know I'm not going to be doing the gym stuff, I will replace it with other activities yeah. that are novel. So I would I, a week off doing nothing is really hard for me. I really don't like doing it. Even like on holiday, I think the last <laughs> holiday, one of those things. Um, <laughs> the last holiday we did go on, I yeah snuck into the gym a few times because it was just i really wanted to do it and i wouldn't normally that was the first holiday i've actually done that so i think it's a new thing for me in the last five years where i've like really enjoy exercise again post football because yeah. football was my main thing so like, and yeah. i loved it but then i fell out of love with it and i fell out of love with not training because i always trained because i know i should um but that's that was exactly what i was doing i was doing it more because i felt like i had to as opposed to i wanted to whereas now i very much want to train most yeah. of the time yeah which is nice it's a nice place to be yeah it is it's a lovely place to be we love exercise no mm. um i'm just that annoying person i'm just that really yeah. my clients always say to me you're just that annoying person that likes exercise Andy. shut up and i'm like yeah. no but I, think, um, but I think with this sorry on that though that's an important point though i think i think most people have a potential for that yeah it's it's but it's going through the the, the, the semi rough times to identify what you do and don't like and the reward you can get from it. I don't think it is that for me. I so going yeah. back to having a sporting background, I was um, I was gymnast and dancer and they are all solo sports. So I'm very used to being on my own training. Mm. You know, even though we might have trained as a team in gymnastics, you were on the floor, you you know, mm doing beat on your own everything was on your own so I'm very I'm at ease at exercising by myself it's pleasurable to me because that's what I've always done so yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much because it's my time if that makes yeah. sense but yeah I've just completely cut you off though I can't remember what else that's all right. 
I can't remember now. <laughs> I agree though. I've got lots. Of, I've I've had lots of clients come to me, and they've got to the point where actually they really love exercise now. Mm. Like it is genuinely a part of their identity, you know. And that's such a lovely place to be, not just for like aesthetics. I was having this conversation the other day with one of my long-term clients. She was saying, you know, I really love going for a big long walk, or I really love getting in my gym. You know, she's built her own gym now and doing a training session, and I don't care about what the number says on the scale. I'm just in it because it's a nice thing for me to do. It's an act of self-care, you know? Mm. So yeah. Um, where, how did we get to that point in the question? I can't um, remember, yeah. <laughs> next one. How long before you notice a change in your body, certain weight, etc., or time scale? This is a hard question to answer because there's not really an answer for it. You will notice it slower than everyone else. Yeah. I find that is a general rule of thumb. Not a general rule of thumb. That's a general thing that happens with a lot of my clients. Uh, <laughs> internet will tell you if you train for six to eight weeks, you will see, you will physically see changes, but not before that. Like you can see, you could potentially see changes in a week or two, depending on your starting base, depending on how quickly you adhere to everything, uh, depending on what the hell you do. And this is why we get fad diets that sell out and steal people's money that don't give them long-term results because you get these things like keto, blah, 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 and da, 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 and all these things that will show you results in two weeks because they're manipulating your body water up but not changing your life um there is no answer to the question sorry so i'm i'm, I'm steadily no, rambling here but I, but it goes I back just to add i was laughing because when you said about the six to eight weeks thing that i was just thinking of like this if you type it into google there's so many like quotes with like a really like buff man or a really yeah. woman that's like you won't see your results until 12 yeah. weeks time. it's like yeah. oh you know it's just yeah. so dependent it, like it yeah. massively depends on where your starting point is you know yeah. i've got one client who's just lost 40 pounds and she wow. she literally is like i just cannot tell a difference at all <laughs> and she won't mind me saying this she's got a lot more to go you know she's yeah. got a lot more to go and for her she will get to the six month point and it will be like fuck this mm. you know life changing she will have dropped mm. like oh, you know pretty much two three dress sizes but for somebody who's just got six pounds to lose it's hard to see it's really hard to see yeah and especially if you've been training for quite a while and you think you've got six pounds to lose but you're you know you're doing everything you can the scale weight isn't moving you might find you've lost interest you might find you just look you know even yeah. more spread. So yeah. it's, it's so dependent. It's such a hard yeah. question to uh, uh, yeah. answer. Um, I think if you feel like you can't see any changes after, you know, four, six weeks, make sure that you've taken photos, make sure that yeah. you, everyone's got that, like, <laughs> have you got that dress, Jake? That dress that you try on? <laughs> yeah, I've got my dress actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, put those on. Like, yeah. sometimes, and this is quite like a, a, a thing that I do with my 
female clients obviously is I say to them like have a little feel of your body in the shower like can you feel anything different is that you know sometimes you know you might run your hands down your ribs and it's like oh actually I've got obliques coming through there or you know the back of my arm feels way more toned there's all these like different things that sometimes we just don't even bother to pay attention yeah. to you know just don't back your own opinion initially because like this is why I get with my coach back, especially my online my online people. It's like, again, I've had this conversation twice in the last 10 days mm. where they've gone, I can see no difference. And they're relatively lean individuals looking and going, nope, no differences. And I'm like, yes, there's loads. I think I swore at one of them nicely. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I said, you're literally choosing not to see these, I reckon, because there are so many differences here. But they generally couldn't, and that, you know, that's all said in jest, and you know, we have that relationship, so I can say things like that. But, but like, I I physically circled them, so like, I think it, obviously these people train with you, right? So you have an expert eye for seeing these things, and it comes down to emotion as well. I find because we have the objective view here, because we don't have the emotion associated with that body. Yeah. that's not our body so it's not that we don't care but we have no reason to be emotional about it so we can be a bit more objective to it whereas when we're looking at ourselves we either feel good or bad about something because that's just natural you know mm -hmm. and if you don't see a change you're going to be a bit peeved with it but you also don't have a coaching eye like you and I, like Angie and I do. <laughs> so we know what to look for. And it and it may well just be how rounded are your shoulders suddenly, you know, which if you put on that dress, you might you might notice or your friends might notice. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you next go out, because we can then. Yeah. And I think just going back to the original question, like how long before you notice a change in your body, I think it is important just to highlight here, like if you've just if you've been in a calorie deficit for a week, like you're probably not going to see that much change. So I yeah. think a duration of time is the answer to that. You know, <laughs> yeah. you need to be in a deficit for a time or you need to have trained for a period of time before you see these changes. Um, and also remember a lot of the people that you're comparing yourself to on the internet, if you are comparing yourself, may well have trained for five, 10, 12, 15 years. And that's why they, they look the way they do, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay, next question. Do you build muscle slower on a vegan diet? Uh, In theory, no. Yeah, I was gonna say the same uh it's uh hard. yeah i mean yeah getting your protein in on a vegan diet will be harder depending on what uh depending on how far you take the vegan diet in the sense of which options you are and are not willing to take because i have a couple of vegans one of which is very, very informative, actually. She's very good because she, talk, she talks me through a lot of it. Um, she is open to chicken alternatives, for example. Right. But I have other vegans that will not have any replica form of animal. What do you mean, like, a chicken alternative? Is that so, like fruit or something like that? So if we think of, like, corn, for example, let's go for beef instead because right. corn's very well known. But, like, there are alternatives to chicken that is basically fake chicken for vegans. So what my client, uh, I, it looks like chicken. It, it's right. really hard. It looks like chicken, 
just isn't made of chicken. And actually what it's made of, I haven't actually asked her. Um, she's open to that, but I have vegans that are not open to those things. Yeah. Those things help her very much get to the protein target because they're actually loaded. But if you don't have that, then we are literally looking at legumes, grains, uh, nuts. But nuts aren't nuts are not a good source of protein. Don't take that. Don't take that and run with it. But it becomes so hard, more from a digestion point of view. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I think it's being researched, but you're not always going to get like the same amino acid profiles from these. Mm dietary sources yeah. your legumes etc um you can oh I, I might have to come back to this question but you can eat certain like pulses with other things together to come to create a complete protein but i don't know exactly like i will have yeah. to go back to my nutrition course and you know read those out to you um so you can make up complete proteins by eating certain sources of uh, different uh, nutrient, like, I don't know, like a, I don't know, butternut squash with some sort of legume yeah. and that will create some kind of like complete protein. But you've got to be quite like on it <laughs> to kind of really yeah. understand this thing. You're going to have to really know everything inside out for that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, do you build muscle slow on a vegan diet? There's lots of there's lots of supplements out there. You know, you can take vegan protein shakes now that can can you know make up for that. So yeah. I don't know is the answer because yeah. there probably isn't enough research there to kind of really provide the answer right now. I would say you are probably going to be at a disadvantage compared to somebody who is a meat eater. Yes, because they are going to be able to eat 120, 150 grams of protein pretty easily. Um, you like you say with digestion etc are going to struggle a little bit because you know eating a lot of these very very natural form foods that they are hard on our digestion um so yeah the answer is no but it is going to be a little bit harder for you it's definitely being researched at the moment yeah because veganism is so much more well publicized yeah. now and I think from an environmental perspective, like a lot of people are choosing to eat, you know, more of a veggie, vegan, pescatarian style life now. And I did last year, I went through a phase of, you know, we went pescatarian for a little bit and I did find it really quite hard. Would I do it again? Yeah, probably. I mean, I will. I think, event I don't know, will eventually all of us go down that route? Who knows? I'm not sure. No. <laughs> I won't be, no. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Anyway, let's yeah. save politics for another one. Um, okay, next one. Do you tell your friends your calorie counting? Or what do you say to your friends who challenge or question why you are calorie counting? This is one I get a lot and find really awkward to answer. <laughs> because I have a coach that knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I get it, because people judge, right? Uh, if you get it a lot and you don't like the fact you get it a lot, then I would say don't say anything. Um, but, I mean, it depends. If you're out and about and you're being questioned as to why you're making to your choice, <laughs> like if you're out for a meal and you're being questioned as to why you've, made your choice then 
I suppose you could just go, I'm just trying to watch my weight for the moment. Like, leave it as simple as that. It may, you, you, know, you may well just be trying to shred body fat. But if you leave it in the simplest terms for other people, then, uh, and then it, again, if they go, oh, you don't need to lose anything. And they're like, oh, well, thanks. I, you know, I appreciate the nice comment. Take that as a nice compliment. But we are allowed to want to change if other people do not think you need to change. Um, it's probably one way of putting it. Mm. If you're logging your meals whilst you're out and that is causing the questions, can you do the logging beforehand so that it doesn't stimulate the question in other people? Why they care so much, I don't know. And I don't, this is, this is human nature. Like it's, it's more of a them thing than a you thing, this is in my exactly personal opinion. Um, so if you can find a way to care less about what other people think in that respect, that would be the quickest way of resolving this. But, and again, I, I still need to find ways to say that in a nicer way. And I don't mean that in a harsh way. Like I've said this to Angie multiple times now that I would love to make an episode about this on a podcast about caring less. Yeah. Still caring a hell of a lot. And I haven't, I still haven't thought of the words. It boils down to removing the emotions from why you emotionally respond to these people questioning. Can I just say, I think I found really helpful because I had this quite a lot when I first started calorie tracking, what, six, seven years ago, when I first hired a coach and went through my own sort of weight loss journey. I was put in this scenario a couple of times and, you know, at first I was, it was really defensive, you know, oh, do, you know, I, want, I need to lose weight or da, 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 da. And it got to the point where actually I either just said, I just find it really helpful. Mm. I left it at that. Or I asked them, not why are you asking, but I asked them why they were interested and for a lot of the time I actually what I found out is the reason why they were asking these questions is because they were intrigued to find out why I was doing what I was doing and how it works because they could see I was getting results you know so I mm. think sometimes caring less comes down to not putting it on them but kind of like just creating a conversation versus feeling like you've got to defend yourself so if someone was to say why are you tracking on my fitness pal you could say i actually find it a really helpful useful educational tool and it just helps me keep on top of my food intake and if they say well you don't need to lose weight and you could just say well i didn't actually mention anything about my weight there um and what makes you what makes you question what I'm doing and if they say well you know you don't need to lose weight you could reaffirm that I, I didn't actually mention my weight I find this a really helpful useful tool I exercise quite a bit and I just want to do something to support my nutrition and right now this is the right thing for me so it's kind of like try I think sometimes when people come at you like why are you doing this you don't need to lose yeah. weight come back to them from a very diplomatic point of view that you exactly. literally had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's not about your aesthetics. It's not about weight loss. It's about I'm doing this for me. This is my self-care. This is what works for me, you know? And if they have got an issue with it, ask them, what's your issue with it? 
you know and if they say well i don't think it's very healthy okay you're allowed your opinion mm. we move on you know so it's kind of like people are always going to have these opinions etc but i think you just kind of have to stand your ground a little bit yeah, it's, it, no, 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 I agree. It, it's it's quite a contextual question, really, as to how in how which manner in which the questions are asked. Yeah, I'm also defensive, so because I am, <laughs> but like it's something I'm trying to work on in the sense of like, yeah, just but that's really interesting because I would never think I because you are quite diplomat diplomatic yourself. Yeah. I would never think that you were quite defensive about things in that way, but maybe. Maybe that was how I can be. It depends. Yeah, in, in that scenario, if someone was to not dig you out, but well, not even question. Because yeah, I am. I do try my best to be as diplomatic as possible. It's something I've really tried over the last few years. Because previous, I've been, I can be very hot-headed and, and very defensive without considering the other side. You know, it's funny. I was having this conversation with Brad the other day. Sorry, to, this uh, this is going on the podcast. This is great. And I was saying, I can. I can't imagine Jake being angry. <laughs> you're so, you're so, like to chat to you're just so calming and i was like i just can't imagine him being angry i can't imagine you getting angry at anything god skip back about 16 hours to when i was playing football and headlocks really i do you know what i probably get angry less than five times a year do you know what <laughs> i would go i would i would go as extreme as i get angry less than twice a year generally it's very rare very 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 rare i hate it yeah okay i hate it like it's just it's just not nice i just don't think any, i don't think there's a place for it in the world but in 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 human to human i think we should all be able to just be nice to each other but i know the world doesn't work like that and i'm i sound extremely naive in that sense but <laughs> like if i can contribute in not being a dick then i will yeah uh, it's just other people make that very hard to do in my because people don't share my opinion a lot of people were very hot-headed and, and you know parents as well like i can see what my dad's a hothead and you know i say like just just you know i try my best not to swear as much as possible in, in, in a vicious way yeah. uh it's things like that yeah, yeah, yeah but if someone's gonna dig you not dig you out but yes yeah i like your diplomatic response to that i don't know why i got defensive about that straight away <laughs> Karen Cunning's fine. It's um, it, but do you know what? It's so easy to, and you know, I mm. absolutely have, and I still do. Sometimes I remember a family member once saying to me that I, I you know, I've been training lifting weights for a, a long time now, and saying, "Oh, don't do that. You don't want to be one of those people that gets big." You know, mm. oh, you know, women in twenty years' time after they've been training uh, with weights, they look, you know, yeah. And I, I got so defensive, yeah, and I actually exactly. got really defensive about it. And I remember having a conversation um, with this family member after, and kind of saying, "Like, I'm sorry, I got upset, but can you just not say those things?" But that was in a period of my life where I was going through a lot of change, and mm. I was kind of moving towards weightlifting because it was really helping me change my body. And then being told, "Don't do that," because yeah regret it later on you know and I, I felt very vulnerable so going to this person right now who's asked this question you might be in that stage where you're feeling pretty vulnerable you're making a lot of changes and having these questions asked at you and being yeah. judged such is, is really difficult so yeah like Dave said like i think sometimes you kind of have to go like use some kind of like um, take a breath take a, a breath. breath have a pause, pause. tap yeah. in with yourself hand on chest 
take a moment and kind of go, okay, let's not let the emotion get involved here. Mm. I'm tracking because, you know, at the moment it is supporting my health or yeah. is helping me move towards where I want to go. Why are you doing that? It's yeah. because it's my choice. And, yeah. you, you know, if you do have a problem with it, I, I can, I, you know, I can go and do it in the toilet if it, if it helps. That, yeah, their issue with it probably comes from a, from a place of caring about you, in a sense. But they, they, have a perce- they have a different perception because they've probably not done it. That, I would say that would, would happen most of the time. Or they don't understand why you do it or how it can be done well. They might have had a bad experience with it because they were having other issues that they didn't realise at the same time. Mm. Um, yeah, type thing. Yeah, and cool. I think sometimes I think also uh, j- just to finish, like a lot of your friends actually will be quite supportive of it. Like I've mm. got friends that you know when I do track, when I do go through phases of tracking, if I go round their house and stuff, they will say to me, "Are you tracking at the moment?" And you know they might just save some of the boxes and stuff for me to scan, which is really lovely. So I think actually having an open, honest conversation with your friends and being like, do you know what, girls? This is what I'm doing at the moment. I know it might seem a bit strange or you might not like it, but I really hope that you support me in this way. Um, And if I was to ever ask you, like, can you just, you know, weigh that piece of chicken breast or can you save this box for me? I hope you don't mind and I hope that doesn't make things awkward, you know? I think, Mm -hmm. if anything, kindness and speaking really openly and communicating where you are in your life right now and what you what your goals are and what you value is really really important and get them on sort of on board with that they don't they might not have to agree but they can just look you know look out for you in that way if that makes sense um one last final question this is a long podcast sorry uh okay i have a last minute one just Having just sat and updated my consistency tracker on Wednesday, I had a thousand calories. On Thursday, I had two thousand calories. My goal is no more than one thousand nine hundred. Do you think having less calories one day might make a person feel more hungry the other day after, and therefore have more? Is it more ideal to have a steady, consistent amount of calories day to day rather than one day really low, which might spike a high day? I think this kind of really relates to what we were saying in the earlier conversation um the very the very quick answer to re-sum that up is individual difference yeah trial and error if you are a monster after only having a thousand calories the next the day after that that doesn't work for you well it might not work for you right now it could in the future but right now that doesn't work for you so therefore don't don't do your best to not let that happen mm-hmm. uh if it is fine it's fine absolutely completely agree um could you be hungrier after eating less on one day yes is the answer like you've eaten less so yeah, yeah you, you might feel hungry and i completely agree with what you say um does does this person have to eat to calories no like you don't have to eat to 1900 um but if you're finding that eating at 1000 is causing this effect to happen then aim to eat at like at least 1,500, 1,600, yeah. you know, um, and eat to kind of fill yourself up. Um, so yeah, I think that is it.